Hey there, let's face it. Today's internet world is so saturated and everyone is fighting for their number one spot to be visible. It is no longer about running ads and having thousands of people on your email list. It is about building relationships and networking with others to grow your business and become visible. Hi, my name is Candice. I'm a podcast launch strategist and I help service-based business owners develop and deliver their message to the world by using platforms like podcasting and bringing valuable content to those who need to hear what they have to say. Welcome to the Hello C.S. Dorsey podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Hello C.S. Dorsey podcast. I have Melinda here on the podcast today. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Anis. How are you? I'm doing well. So could you tell everyone who you are and what you do? Well, I'm Melinda Cologne, and I'm a brand and marketing strategist with a passion for systems and processes. I help startups and solopreneurs get clear on their path forward in marketing a sustainable and profitable business. And I'm also an owner of a virtual assistant agency where we help small businesses across the country with marketing and administrative services. Oh, that sounds good. So I cannot wait until we get started because I know you're going to have some (laughs) awesome tips and I know my audience out there is ready. So let's talk about the inspiration behind starting your business. What was that like for you? Honestly, I kind of fell into it. To be honest, I started freelancing in 2003 as a graphic designer. I was, you know, going for my degree as a computer science major and I just, I learned a lot about what computer science was and what my day-to-day would look like. And I just didn't fall in love with it. I love the numbers. I love the structure. And in fact, I like the tediousness of it, but it just didn't speak to my creative side. And I knew that there was more. So I actually switched majors and got my degree in graphic design. And while working full-time, while, you know, just being a teenager in college, young adult in college, And I just continue to, you know, just serve people on the side as like with business cards and at that time, direct mailers and brochures and flyers. That was huge back then about, you know, just leaving flyers on the cars and stuff. So I was the one, I'm sorry, to the the masses. If you received one of my flyers that my clients wanted me to design. And I just, I really had fun with it because it was doing something that I, I really wholeheartedly feel that. I was put on this earth to do, which is to serve people and to help them using my gifts, help them to get to where they need to be or where they want to go to really feel joy and excitement about their journey with God. And so I did that through graphic design. And when I graduated with my degree, I I landed at a position where it was, it was mostly graphics, but there was some marketing involved in it. And I learned a lot. I worked with a lot of different people, a lot of different companies, big and small. And throughout, you know, my career, going from one job to another, because I just never could find the right position for me. You know, I still stuck to the marketing because I felt like that was really filling me in the way that graphics and computer science wasn't filling me. It really, when you come to marketing, it's just so broad. There's data, there's analytics, there's creative writing, there's copywriting, there's so much in marketing. And it just kind of felt like I could get all that I wanted out of marketing. And I just stick to it. I just focused on it. But the challenge was finding a company that 
aligned with who I wanted to be. I just almost felt like the position that I had, I did the best that I could. I, you know, I was the overachiever in the room. I was the teacher's pet and it just, it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. So after almost 18 years of corporate world, I decided to go on my own and become an entrepreneur. And I still had those clients that I was serving. You know, I built up a, a beautiful book of clients who loved me, who, who appreciated me, respected me from my experiences and first line of contact when I launched my business. And they were the first cheerleaders for my business. So I knew that it was something that I was supposed to do. That's awesome. That's amazing. I hear the story so many times about, you know, how we we start off with something thinking that we this is something that we want to do. And then we're like, this isn't what we want to do. But then we try something else. And then being somewhere where you, you know, don't feel fulfilled. And I completely get you about being an overachiever. I was like the top, you know, funder and everything. But then you get to a certain point, you're like, oh, I'm not liking this right now. <laughs> You know, you're like, ew, you know, this isn't, you know, this isn't fulfilling me. You know, I felt dead. I feel stale in a way, you know, and that's when, you know, it's definitely time for a change. So I really, really love your story. So can you remember a time in your business or starting out where you had a hello moment? I mean, my hello moment was from God. It's, you know, God spoke to me several times. While I was in corporate, while I was fighting, I was fighting to trust and believe the path that he was building for me. I was really struggling. Like you said, you're working in the corporate world and you're almost blindsided by what's going on around you. You're just focused on doing the job, keeping your head down, don't say anything, you know, just almost muting what's already, what's so very natural and so very beautiful about yourself or about myself. And I, like I said, I was the overachiever, but I wasn't listening to myself and my body. And I wasn't listening to God at different intervals of my career. And my body just said, nope, I'm not doing it. And so I got, you know, very sick at work. I was leading a, a very important interview with a client with my entire team in the, in the car. And the client called and said, sorry, you know, we gave it to the other team. And it was a big effort. It was an effort that we were, you know, practicing and preparing for. And we walked out of that room just thinking, we got it. This is good. And upon our arrival back to the office, I felt so sick and I literally just, I just fainted. So I was taken to the ER and my husband and I had a conversation later on. It was fine. It was just, you know, I just passed out, had syncope. It was just an emotional roller coaster. And we just were like, this is crazy that we can't, you can't push yourself this much. So that was the first time God was knocking on my door and I, I didn't listen. I didn't hear him. I didn't want to hear him because I was doing really well and I was gaining respect at work and I was being in, uh, asked to come to really important meetings. And I was thinking that that's where I could get full. I could get full if I, you know, I, I showed up for someone else to make money. I, I, I would get full when someone else felt satisfied, not me. And I just kept pushing myself and pushing myself. And just a few years after that, I was driving home and I passed out behind the wheel. And thank God my foot was on the brake. So, you know, I was on the highway. It could have been bad, but it was, it was truly bad. Again, going back to the ER and 
my husband and I were like, can't, can't do this. We can't push anymore. We can't push anymore. And that was the time I said, okay, Lord, I hear you. He was on the other side of the door saying, hello, let me in, let me in, let me in. I have something bigger for you. I have something better for you. You know, you don't have to try to fit into a square hole. You are a round peg, you know, just kept pushing me to hear. And I finally listened to him. And when I finally listened to God and and took it in, he was like, okay, you're ready. You're ready to accept the path forward with me, but you have to trust me. So that was my big hello moment. That was really when, you know, I put, I put my pride aside and in my dreams and ambition about you know, going up the corporate ladder, but I just wanted to focus on God. And he said, you got to put me first because my dream for you is way bigger than the one that you could have for yourself. And I was just not listening so much so that I was hurting myself and not willingly, like not intentionally. It was just because I was driving my ambition, my overachieving, you know, the want to be an overachiever was so strong that it just took over me. So that was my hello moment. That was my hello moment. The second time I got sick and really listening to God and and hearing him say, let me take control over your path. Just let me do this now. I love it. And how often, you know, do we hear, we see where something like that has to happen for us to go sit down somewhere and just let him take over. I mean, he doesn't do those things. He he really doesn't do those things to us as we do it ourselves. And then when we realize, oops, you know, we realize, uh-oh, maybe I shouldn't have done it. Then he's like, okay, are you, are you ready for me now? <laughs> you know, <laughs> he doesn't go so far, but then he's like, okay, are you ready for me now? And it's like, okay, yes, yes, Lord, I am. <laughs> so, yeah, I. So true. Yeah, that is like, we just get to that point. And then, you know, when we try, we're trying to do it on our own because, you know, what the problem is, is that society paint this big picture that when you climb a certain point or a certain corporate ladder or, you know, they make it look glamorous or they make it look like this is where you need to be. This is where the stability is, you know, and you're trying to get to that point. It's like, and it's never enough. That's what bothers me the most. It's never enough with people in these companies. And no matter how much uh-huh. you try to work, how much you try to do, it will never be enough for them. But God is more than enough. So and that. Yes. Yes. Hey there, CS Dorsey here. We thrive on awesome feedback from our listeners because you make the show. Now, we'd like to ask you to take a moment to comment, share, give a rating, or share your hello moment. Once you've done that, take a snapshot of the review and tag me on Instagram at csdorsey underscore hello. I cannot wait to hear from you. So let's talk about how to build offers that sell. I cannot wait to talk about this. <laughs> so I'm going to let you go ahead and start it off. <laughs> I literally get giddy about marketing. I think that marketing really is the conversation that we should all be having with each other. Marketing is the, is the conversation we have with each other. I think that the word marketing is almost... We're almost afraid of it 
because it, we don't really understand all that encompasses marketing. But when it comes to creating offers that sell, you know, what are we talking about here? We're talking about having, you know, building up a story and appealing to your audience and sharing with them the value you have, you know, what's the value that you have to offer them to solve their problem. And it's as simple as that. And, you know, I think that oftentimes when I'm working with my clients, you know, and talking to them one-on-one in my private coaching sessions, we're talking about offers and how to create offers. And they have an offer, it's just not working. So one of the first things that you need to have when you're creating an offer that sells is knowing your ideal client. And it's beyond the demographics. It's beyond where they live, what their salary is, you know, their household size, you know, two-story one. That doesn't matter as much as it matters what they're expecting from you. You know, I use the example of Amazon and almost any box store out there right now. They're heavily competing with Amazon to keep their audience focused on them and not Amazon. Walmart, you know, they came out with their program very similar to Amazon offering free delivery. Home Depot, same thing. So these companies understand that they need to elevate their offer to engage with their client. They know their audience. That's why we have a Walmart and a Target, a CVS and a Walgreens or a Dwayne Reed. It's important to know who you're speaking to before you create the offer because the offer won't matter to them if they don't understand it. You know what I mean? So, for example, tailoring the messaging, making sure that you use keywords that are specific to that industry, specific to that target audience. You know, it's funny right now we're in the process of building a home and, you know, I'm getting so excited and giddy. We should be moving in in a couple of weeks. And and I was looking for stools, you know, countertop stools. And oh my gosh, there are so many terms for countertop stools and they're asking about material and fabric. I have no idea. You know, I have no idea when I'm looking at some of these, you know, smaller size websites or going to a smaller size mom and pop. And they're asking, what am I looking for? You know, what's your design style? I don't know. But if I had a quiz telling me what my design style was, that would connect me with the products that are out there, the opportunities that are out there to solve the problem of finding some countertop stools. So the offers that I have a guide that you can download on my website, melindacolon.com, and it's create offers that sell. And it's a workshop and workbook. It's a 60-minute video with a workbook, and we just go through step-by-step what is necessary to create an offer that really engages and promotes your business, your brand, effectively in the way that you want to. So you're not having to compete, but you're almost holding a space specifically for your people. You know, nine times out of 10, you're going to have competition, but there's an edge you have. You know, Walmart has an edge, you know, it used to be the bouncing smiley face, right? And it would drop it to 88, everything 88. So that was their edge. That was their friendly, the lowest prices, discount store, but good quality products. Now you have Target, who they're like, we'll give you high quality at at the lowest price possible. You'll still get the high-end look for the lowest price possible. 
two very similar brands, but they speak completely different languages. And the reason why they take time to cultivate a message is because it's very important to retaining your customers. You know, it's one thing to have a product or a service and you just put it out there and you can sell it. Sure, anybody can sell anything, but to get them to come back is the key. How do you connect them with the product and your brand for them to come back? What do you offer them with in in return for buying your product or you know obtaining your services? You know, for service-based businesses is customer service. It's going over and beyond. It's listening to them. It's one of the biggest takeaways from my calls when I do private coaching is listening. And I think that it's more about what people are not saying versus what they're saying. You know, people are usually afraid to hurt feelings. That's why we have anonymous surveys. It takes the emotions out of it. But, you know, we need to hear, we need to see what's what's in between, you know, what's in between all of the words that people are saying and, and, and providing you feedback on so that we can actually build on that, you know, use that feedback to build a killer offer. So in my course, we talk about the structure of a highly converting offer. You know, it includes clarity, value, specifically a differentiator. And I'll talk about that in a second. Description, urgency, price, guarantee, and call to action. Your differentiator is the uniqueness of your brand, not necessarily your product. It's the uniqueness of your brand because you could have the same product. You could be selling the same product. And instead of thinking, well, I need to compete with the price. I need to compete with the, you know, the packaging. You need to compete. You need to actually engage with your customers with their hearts, if they're heart-centered or if they're mind-centered, if they're into data and analytics, you need to engage in that part. And what differentiates you is what you do with that information. How do you create the story for them to really connect with you? How are you consistent with that story? If you say that you offer great customer service, well, they have to experience that in order to believe it. So I think that, you know, it's a lot about understanding who your target audience is and very little about writing the actual offer itself. Because once you have an understanding of who your target audience is, who your ideal client down to the nitty gritty, writing an offer is easy. It's easy because they almost tell you what to write. They almost tell you specifically, this is what I want to see. I wish fill in the blank, you know, time and time again, that's that has happened to me specifically. And that has happened to my clients. And it's an aha moment. And, you know, when it happens, it's like, oh my gosh, you were telling the truth, Melinda. And I said, you see, I'm telling you that your target audience will tell you what they want to buy from you, how they want to buy it, and how often. All you need to do is take that information and add a few words to connect the message and put it out there. And when you do that, that means that you're listening to them. That's what that means to them. You've connected. And the rest is you just showing up. You showing up and providing value, you showing up and being consistent, you know, in caring about the product and service that you offer. So that's a little bit about offers that sell. I love it. I, I really do. Especially when you said, uh, how do you connect a story? How do you create a story to connect with your audience? Did I say that right? I think mm-hmm. I probably said it back. 
<laughs> you said it fine. Okay. How to create the story. Yes. To connect with the audience. Yes. 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 And it's so funny. I hear that all the time. And people are like, well, what's the story behind? I'm like, Huh? And me being, and it's so weird, like I've written five books, right? So you would think I would have that down packed. No, I don't. (laughs) I don't have the stories (laughs) down packed. I don't. But what I found was like when I'm getting ready to, because I'm actually getting ready to to launch a, a podcasting course and I'm doing my slides and everything. And then I'm thinking about what I'm going to say. And I was like, oh, I can tell them about, you know, the time where XYZ. And I'm not thinking that, you know, I'm telling the story about what's going on to kind of connect with them. I'm thinking about more of my experience to, you know, what I'm saying, like what happened to me, the reason why I'm telling them. I'm not like connecting the two. And then when you mentioned that, I'm like, oh, that's what I'm doing. Right. I'm doing it without even knowing. And then I follow Russell Bronson all the time. Like I I'm a click funnels fan. And he always talks yeah. about book story offer. And I'm like, well, what does mm. that really mean? What is it? And I read it everywhere. Everything that he's done almost. I've read it and he's always talking about hook story offer. And I'm like, okay, what does that even mean? And then when I find out that I'm doing my the size and everything, I'm like, Oh, this is what he means. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So true. And I think that's that's the problem. I think we and and including myself, when there's the newest, flashiest, you know, marketing tool, whether that be Clubhouse, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, we think we have to have. We have to have more followers. So we do follower for followers. We have to only use specific hashtags. We only have to, we only can do this. And the truth of the matter is, it's just, it's just a conversation with the people you want to engage with. And, and that's all it is. Those, all of the platforms, podcasting, I mean, we're here right now, we're having a conversation and I'm hoping that those people that are listening that are you know, taking information and they're applying it to their business. They're finding, you know, motivation and energy from this conversation and using it to their business. And that right there is marketing. Like we're doing marketing right now. So I feel like that's the part of marketing that's so, I wish it was a different word. I wish it was a different word. I wish it wasn't marketing. I wish it was a different word because I think we would all connect with it more. It's kind of like a marketing that's devalued or not recognize this not on the radar that people kind of like overlook in a way Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and I never really thought about that until you actually mentioned it and that's that's a really good point because you know like you stated there is all the the clubhouse and the the tiktoks and all of this and it's like when every time something new comes out and you have the people that test it out and then they come back and say, hey, you got to try this. This is really good. I got a thousand followers or a thousand downloads of my my lead magnet. Try it. And everybody gravitate towards that. And I'm feeling it on Facebook. Like, I'm like, where is everybody at? Like, <laughs> Seriously, I'm like, where is everybody at? Because the engagement in Facebook is dead. It's like gone down so much. And I'm like, where is everybody at? And I'm like, oh, yeah, they must be on TikTok. 
you know, whoever has the, <laughs> the iPhone or whatever. I'm like, that's where they at. Because I have never like really experienced the the decrease in engagement when I'm on Facebook, you know? So I was like, oh, they must be all on Clubhouse. Yeah. But you're right about the podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. You know, I, I have to mention this because you made me think of, um, you know, I had a... I had an audit done on my social media. I have been growing my social media forever. And, you know, sometimes I take my blinders down just to look around. I shouldn't do that. And, you know, I'm going to tell you why. You know, looking at followers and I'm just like, man, I wish I had more followers. I wish I had more followers. And yes, that means that there's more eyes on your stuff. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you have the right people in your audience. You know, there's so many stories about people who have, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands on their followers and they come out with a product and nobody buys. So I'd rather have just a little I have and know that those are warm or hot leads that when I come out with something, they buy it. I'd rather have the small, the small space and that it's, it's genuine. It's the people that want to see my content that when I look at my insights, and I look at my analytics in my social media, that's real numbers. Those are real numbers. They're saying, yeah, I want to see more of this content, Melinda. And it's not fans. You know, they're actual buyers ready with their credit cards to swipe. That's what that's what the, the end of the day is for our business. You know? That's right. It's, and all that stuff is just what they call vanity numbers and matrix and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. people build it up to where as though you actually have to have that. And that's not mm-hmm. necessarily true. Like I've heard people who make thousand, you know, five, six, what I'm thinking about five figures, I don't say six <laughs> off of a, like a very teeny email list of maybe 200 people, you know? And it goes back to what you said. Yeah. You know, these are people that are, is looking at your content that want to see more of you. And it is, uh, and, you know, I won't say anything that you have out there because some things I'd be like, no, I'm not buying that. But <laughs> the things that, <laughs> that they're interested in, they will buy, you know? I mean, it's it's so, so true. Yes, it is so true. This is awesome. So any last minute advice you have for our listeners out there? Well, if you're a corporate, soon-to-be dropout, a startup or solopreneur who just needs clarity and focus, to, you know, the steps forward to market your business, just know that there's help and that you're not alone and you don't need to do all the things to be successful. My first month as a full-time entrepreneur, I closed my month with five figures and I have done repeat ever since. And I think that that's what's important at the end of the day is connecting you to your target audience, your products, they all come for your people. They'll tell you what to sell. So that's what I have for you. It's just take a breath. It is a lot easier. The marketing side of business, the entrepreneurship side, yeah, it's hard, but just take a breath and know that there are some things that you could do a lot easier than you think you can. Yes, I agree so, so much. So where can everyone find you? Well, you can find me on the, the mean streets of the website or, or the internet at Melinda Consults, melindaconsults.com. I Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, everywhere, melindaconsults.com. Perfect. And we'll link those up in the show notes. 
So thank you, Melinda, so much for being on the show. I really, really enjoyed this episode. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much. <laughs>